I really want to thank Miro, one of the most useful tools. They sponsor this podcast. They are my go-to resource when it comes to working remotely and collaborating. They're also great for an office, but let me paint a picture for you. Everyone here is working from home in some capacity. Either we have peers that work from home, maybe we're part in the office, part out. Collaboration can be chaotic. Miro is the ultimate digital whiteboard and visual collaboration platform. You could be a remote team, you could be a creative agency, you could be a solopreneur. Miro allows you to brainstorm, plan, and execute seamlessly. Picture this, you're in a virtual meeting mapping out a huge project with Miro. You can drag and drop sticky notes, sketch wireframes, organize ideas all in real time. You collaborate with your team no matter where they are. This is a game changer. If you are ready to transform your workflow, you have to try Miro today. To show you how powerful it is, I created my own Miro board that you can check out at Miro.com slash success pod. It has a ton of resources for entrepreneurs, but it will also show you all the functionality of Miro. So go to Miro.com or go to Miro.com slash success pod for a ton of resources. Try Miro today. It's going to radically change how you collaborate with your team. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Clary. On this podcast, I have candid interviews with execs, celebrities, politicians, and other notable figures, all who have achieved success through both wins and losses, to learn more about their life, their ideas, and their insights. I sit down with leaders and mentors and unpack their story to help pass those lessons on to others through both experiences and tactical strategy for business professionals, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story Podcast. All right, thanks again for joining me. Today, I am very excited to be sitting down with Per Yillenhammer, former longtime CEO of Volvo, who has a new book coming out in September called Character is Destiny, Reflections on Innovation and Integrity from Volvo's longest-serving CEO. Now, a little bit of a background. Uh, Per has a 24-year tenure uh, that was historic, groundbreaking in Volvo's history. When he became Volvo's CEO in 1971, he completely redesigned the company's plants, assembly methods uh, to prioritize the health, well-being of the workers, a man way ahead of his time. Uh, he addressed the first global environmental convocation in 1972 UN Environmental Conference and made a public commitment to make Volvo more environmentally friendly and to protest the regime of apartheid. He closed Volvo's Durban plant in South Africa in 1976 one of the first CEOs to divest. In addition to transforming Volvo, Yellenhammer uh, directly shaped industry in Europe, creating European Roundtable and Industrialists, which conceived of and implemented major infrastructural improvements, such as the France-England Channel Tunnel. Uh, he has also worked with or served on the boards of such institutions as Lazard, Rotors, Rothschild, Chase Manhattan Bank, the Aspen Institute, the Rockefeller University, and the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Gillenhammer's writing has been published on CNN, Business News, Automotive News, and many, many more. Thank you so much for sitting down. Very, very excited to understand how you became the man you are today. So thank you. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. Nice, so, to, uh, nice to be with you. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. You, As I read these things off um, over your career, uh, environmental impact, um, moving away from uh, countries that don't do business properly like you did in, in South Africa and whatnot. These all seem to be very commonplace now, and a lot of organizations uh, fall in line with this type of ideology, very forward-thinking. But you have to remember in 1971, that was not always the case, as you were a leader in many of these. But before that, walk me through how you even became uh, the CEO of Volvo and, and your career, and then we'll go into what you're, you're doing now. Well, the, it was it was the chairman of Volvo at the time who visited me. I lived in Stockholm at that time, and said, "Could we have a conversation with you?" I said, "Fine." And then he said, uh, without any uh, ado, he said, "We would like you to be the CEO, chief executive of Volvo." And how and how about did you fall into that role? How did you handle it? What was what was your, I guess, um, your preparation for managing um, such a large company? 
Well, I had no preparation, except I was the head of the largest insurance company in, in the Nordic area for uh, one year and uh, nine months, I think it was, when they came to say that, would you like to join Volvo? And I, I thought it was so tempting with Volvo as the car and truck manufacturer and uh, aviation and space. So I said yes. Without, without thinking. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it difficult to move into a role like that? Did you have struggles, hurdles, or was a lot of it you were prepared for it? No, I was not prepared for it at all. It was a great surprise, a great surprise. But I think I said yes within one hour, while I was still head of uh, uh, Scandia, the insurance company which was the largest insurance company in the in Nordic area. So it was very dramatic uh, in my surroundings. Uh, not, not least the chairman of, the, of Scandia, who, who thought that I was his golden boy, I think. And uh, he, he, he lost me very quickly. <laughs> but, and as you moved into, as you moved into Volvo, um, you did a lot of things that I think were ahead of their time. What how did you come to some of these decisions as I read off your background, divesting from uh, Durban or divesting from South Africa, closing the, the Durban plant, um, prioritizing uh, and all these different convocations and other campaigns that you did? Where did that come from? Where did was that uh, something that you were always championing or was it just you trying to look ahead of where work and leadership was going at the time? I was very independent. And uh, I had uh, I had a an examination in in uh, law studies. I was a a, a, a candidate of, of of law, and I, I don't know why. It was just that it was partly liberal, it was partly historical, it was partly with the time, and and I studied both in in England and I studied in the United States, and uh, I decided to do the legal studies. And they were terribly boring, and therefore I did it in three years instead of the normal five and a half. And after that, I didn't know what to do. I thought earlier that I would like to be an actor, but I, I discarded that and uh, came to the insurance company and became chief executive, one of the youngest in the well in Europe, really, and 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 then Volvo, where I was also many years the, the youngest because many of my uh, colleagues in, in in the automotive industry and in the aviation and space industry they were about 50 at the time so i was seen as very young which probably was true and how did you manage that from a, a leadership perspective managing all these individuals that were much older than you was that difficult well, it, it was difficult, but I was also, uh, I was vigilant, I was fairly tough. So uh, I wanted to make a totally different organization with a delegation of re responsibility. So eventually I had a headquarter of 100 people instead of 1,200, no, 2,200 that the, the, the company that I took over had. So I slimmed it down. I made uh, every part of the business their own company subsidiary of, of a mother company. And, and uh, that changed also the whole organization because you had to have a chief executive within the group uh, on, on uh, every one of these five sections. So uh, it became much more flexible and much more dynamic. Uh, and that is what I was looking for. And in uh, one year after I, I exceeded the, 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 the chief executive, uh, I, uh, I also called a council of blue-collar workers and some white-collar workers. Because the blue-collar workers, when I moved there, I said, I will see to it that they are the best and that they have a very good environment 
and uh, that is my motto. And uh, we had a council of uh, about 20 people, most of them blue-collar workers. So that was how I started. I want to I want to understand because I feel and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of the lessons. The, so the book is entitled "Character Is Destiny," which I absolutely love, and it's such a yes. it's such a meaningful title. And I'm sure there's a lot as to why you called it that. But you also the the subtitle is "Reflections on Innovation and Integrity" from Volvo's longest serving CEO. And I think that you know I, I'm realizing this as we speak. Like a lot of the lessons that you implemented as CEO of Volvo, I think these are the lessons that are discussed in the book, correct? I want to draw that parallel. Yes, yeah. correct. Good. So as you make these changes to Volvo, as you make it more agile, more lean, you put together a council of, of blue-collar workers. What, what are the results that you see? Or, or rather, you can even speak about it in the reference to your book. Let's speak about how the book is, is divided and broken down, and maybe that will give a little bit more structure for for some of the things that we can chat about too. Well, you go ahead. You've okay. seen the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. So as some of these come out, as, as you start building out some of these actual processes and programs, what is the result that you see uh, when you put unionized blue-collar workers? Is this something, and I want to put it in perspective for today's listener, for today's reader. Yeah. yeah. Was this a commonplace in, in your time or was this groundbreaking? was groundbreaking because uh, the automotive industry around the world in the United States, in Europe and, you know, England and France and Germany, uh, you had the assembly line. Yeah. I started a plant, a new plant, because we, we needed more capacity that had no assembly line. It had assembly, but it didn't have an assembly line. So it was not moving. The blue-collar workers didn't have to move with the assembly line. They could stay and they could do their mandate, which was at least 20 minutes for a team of 9 to 10. And uh, uh, that made it more interesting for them. It was more demanding. Uh, they put together part of a car and the engine, and the transmission, and the whole system. And uh, there, there were about three, three to four teams who could do the whole car. And uh, that was new, new. And uh, I had interest from uh, people from outside the Sweden at the time. Uh, our biggest market was already in the United States. And... Uh, when we opened the plant, uh, Henry Ford asked if he could come and visit, and he did. And uh, the head of uh, the uh, Auto Workers Union, uh, he also came and uh, wanted to see it. So I had those two at the same time, and also the Prime Minister of Sweden, who, who almost came in the shadow <laughs> behind these rather two giant yeah so uh that was an interesting start and then we had to close the plant for visitors because there were too many who wanted to come from uh, different parts of the world but the 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 plant was successful it took uh, probably about a year to make it absolutely run in but then it, it worked extremely well and uh, it, it had platforms that moved through electric engines and, and just came up to the team that was going to do the work. That, and the shift was about 20 minutes for each team. That's, it's incredible because, as, you know, you mentioned um, Henry Ford, who is, is thought of as almost one of the uh, revolutionaries in, in the automation process in the assembly line. And this is taking it uh, to to another level, and and even just having that kind of uh, observance of what you're doing is, as a as a younger CEO, that's probably very very stressful. Um, but I, I appreciate that a lot. I can only imagine because uh, these are these are you know when you say a name like that, I think it shows the impact of what what you were actually bringing to Volvo. So 
you're making a ton of changes. Uh, you're making socially conscious changes. You're making innovative changes. How can you make these changes without hurting profits, scaring off shareholders or stakeholders? How could you do it then? How can you do it now? Well, how could I do it then? Uh, it, 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 it takes... It takes a bit of imagination. It takes a bit of, of uh, freedom in, in, in thought and, and still paying consideration to the people in the, in, in, in the company. And I think the, the blue-collar workers were, were extremely satisfied after a couple of months when they knew the rhythm and how to manage it. And uh, uh, there was so much uh, attention to what we did, that 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 became a worldwide story within a couple of months. And then, as as that becomes a worldwide story and it starts to work, is that when you gain a little bit more trust in in the stakeholders, in the in the financiers, in whoever, in the customers, you know, everybody who could be a naysayer in innovation? Is that how it well, unfolded? I well, I, I think that uh, uh, that took quite some time <laughs> because I think that people also, my countryman, uh, who, who is a very small market, the Swedish market or the Nordic market, but, but uh, they were suspicious and they thought that it was strange that you could uh, change a, a mode and, and, and the, the way of, of building cars the way we did. So there was quite a lot of skepticism. Do you find that um, there are lessons that businesses and organizations can learn from to perhaps eliminate some of that skepticism with innovation now? Because I, I, as I look, you know, as I go through your book, there's several parts. There's, there's communication, there's innovation, there's all these different things that are very good leadership qualities that I think putting words in your mouth these are things that we should look for in organizations yeah and these are things that leaders of organizations should keep top of mind so were there things that you learned out from being socially conscious and innovative that other people should sort of take heed of well and they didn't because in the united states for example i think that the the uh, automotive industry for example is uh, uh, still more or less the same as it was in the 1930s and 1940s. And very little has, has, uh, has changed. And it's, it must be very monotonous for the blue-collar workers because they have perhaps 60 seconds or 90 seconds to do one detailed thing, like a bolt or whatever. And, and, and it doesn't give them any inspiration. It doesn't give them any knowledge and no non-know-how on how a car is built. Of course, they know it if they've been there a couple of years. But, uh, you know, also they're, they're physically, it is very difficult, particularly for women, to use men's tools. So I changed all the tools. So there were tools for women and their hands and for the men. And like through a magic, <laughs> a, a magic change, all their problems with health disappeared, the women, because they had tools made for women's hands. So that was in itself a revolution. You could have uh, females that didn't, didn't uh, have to, to report themselves uh, suffering. So it all disappeared. So that, that, that was one of the good things. And the other thing was that quality improved because you, did, you, you, you didn't have to intervene all the time to, to improve quality. So all the other plants in uh, the system of Volvo, whether it was engine plant, uh, transmission plant, uh, rear axles, front axles, whatever it was, you, 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 you could benefit from the system that we had at the Kalmar plant. So all the 
all the uh, all the factories were gradually changed to this type of system. And as you make this change, um, one point that I saw that I really enjoyed that you made that differentiation to move shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism. Yes. What does that mean exactly? And how can we accomplish that? It means that uh, uh, if you look at some of the systems that are more or less classic now or old fashioned, it was all for the shareholders and uh, fairly good things for the, for the staff. But in, in my case, I think that shareholders is one thing and they should understand that there are limits to how much you can distribute. First of all, because you need capital to invest and reinvest. And secondly, because there are other interest groups that are very important. And that's the, the staff, the labor, it's the, it's the society where you're working, it's taxpayers' money, part of it, that, that your profit goes to. So, so you, you have to be much more diverse than just think of the shareholders and the chief executives. And I must say, uh, within brackets there, that I am shocked by the salaries that chief executives get in the United States. I think it's grotesque. And if they leave after five years, they get a bonus, even mm -hmm. if they're bad or if they're good. They get a bonus, and and the bonus is a few times more than their annual salary. So I I, I find that uh, you know not not acceptable because I think that there are more things to do if you have a well functioning or even badly functioning organization that you have to distribute the profits. And that. The sky-high CEO pay um, golden parachutes when when they leave an organization, uh, that extra bonus. Is that not something, and excuse my naivety, I'm looking at it from a lens of North America. So yeah. Yeah. That, that's not something that you see as much in Europe, or or is it still prevalent? Well, it is prevalent in the United States. So if you compare to... Uh, Salaries, for example, in, in, in Europe or perhaps in Japan. I don't know Japan that well. I've been there many times, but I don't know exactly what they say <laughs> and what they mean. But uh, in, in, in most of Europe, the, the uh, salaries and remuneration for chief executives are more modest, quite different from in the United States. Mm -hmm. But in Europe, they've also increased a lot a bit inspired by the United States. And uh, I, I think, you know, when, when you've been five years in, in, a, in, a, in a company, you have not learned very much about that company. You haven't contributed very much. And when you are five plus, you get a very high salary, even if you've failed completely. Mm -hmm. Now, these are all things I love. I love the direction this is going. So socially conscious companies, um, moving shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, making sure that CEO pay, that executive pay. These are all great leadership lessons, but it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to implement them. Yes, it is. Outside of a complete cultural change, yeah. how, do you, how do you do? And I don't even know if there is a, correct answer i think somebody would have thought through it but what's your opinion on how you how you actually revolutionize the workforce in, in a positive way well i had uh, people around me were very very surprised that i devoted so much time to the blue collar workers but i thought from the first hour that i came to volvo that they are the core of the company if we can't have a blue-collar force that is both women and men and adapted tools adapted to how they could work better, more smoothly, 
less damage and less injuries, that would be great. So I got a very close relationship with them. And I remember when I first visited the, 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 big, the biggest plant in, in where we were based, uh, and I came down in, in a suit and a tie, and uh, the head of the plant said to me, could you take off the tie, sir? I said, why, why would I take off the tie? <laughs> oh, he said, you know, the workers here, they, they, they don't like people who tie. I said, I don't care. I don't care. And they will not care about me when they see me. So I went in and there was a lot of, you know, curiosity when they had the new, very young uh, head of the, the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a year or so, and I visited all our plants as I went around the world and always had the suit that I usually had and, and tie. And I, I didn't have to take my tie off just to go for 45 minutes into a plant. So they accepted that. And they, after a couple of years, I had um, approval ratings because we also measured approval ratings from different parts of the world and different parts of the the company and i got a sky high after a couple of years approval rating from the blue collar workers Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it i think it goes without saying it's because you you focus on building that relationship with them which yeah yeah you know it's something you were doing in the 70s and it's something that companies still miss the mark on today probably less yeah they do yeah yeah definitely do now another another model you speak about um, is the ESG environmental, social, and governance uh, investing model? Is that a way to make companies more in line with these values that you that you brought into Volvo in the seventies? I didn't quite understand the term there. The okay, so the the ESG model, environmental, social, and governance investing model. So, so okay, it, well, I I I have <laughs> I have seen that, but I've seen it later than I started it. <laughs> Because I think that has been developed, and yes. there's so 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 many vocabularies around industries. You, sorry, yeah, no, my and, my and, apologies. And, and, <laughs> no, no, I'm 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 sorry. I, I I excuse myself when I when I say that to you, but I I don't quite get some of these terms, and uh, uh, I was uh, extremely interested in the environment, and uh, I can tell you one little anecdote that uh, when, when, when we came with a, f- my first new model, which was uh, looked like the previous one, but was totally different inside. And the, the whole driveline was different. And I was, there was a new authority in the United States, 1974, about uh, uh, the way that you marketed your cars and uh, they sent a demand to the company and said i want to take a second and thank indeed they're a huge sponsor of the success story podcast and as business leaders we're all driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all it's to match with indeed now if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. 
manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot. NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash scottclary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable, under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. I want to thank Belay for sponsoring today's episode. They provide solutions that all of us need. They help us get back more of our time because time is the most precious resource. A lot of you listening our business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know that if you spend your time incorrectly, it can make or break your business, your personal, professional relationships. It can completely sidetrack you and stop you from reaching your goals. So I'm going to ask you, are you protecting your time? How much of your day is eaten up by tasks that could have been done by someone else? Wouldn't you rather spend your time on things that truly matter? The answer should be yes, because you have to, to move the needle on whatever it is you're trying to build. That's where Belay comes in. They are the nation's largest pool of exceptional U.S.-based talent. Belay offers flexible staffing solutions to free you up. Need a virtual assistant to conquer those 
pesky administrative tasks or maybe an accounting professional to really keep your finances in order. Belay can help with all that and way more. Their personalized matching process saves you the headache of hiring by finding the perfect match for your needs in as little as a week. Focus on what matters the most with the help from Belay. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to learn more and get started. That uh, we would like, we would like the, you to come over and explain how you can have you can have a, you know a language where you say that in Sweden uh, cars are so and so. So normally a company of any size says we'll send someone over a lawyer or someone in 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 in, on, in, in the country itself, and. I got, I got so upset over this reproach <laughs> from a new authority. So I, I took a plane the next day to Washington. And uh, before I did, I, I asked the, the chief executive of, of that agency that was new and just created. I said, I'm coming myself. Am I welcome? And he, he was so surprised. He said, oh, you, you, you are the chief executive. I said, yes, that's why I'm coming. So I met him in his office, which was, uh, you know, uh, an office in, in Washington that was uh, uh, fairly, fairly spacious. And uh, I was so upset when I came in. So I, instead of being, well, I was polite when I said hello. But, but, but then I also, you know, threw myself at him. <laughs> I said, I don't understand what this is. And, and, and I said, I, I, I think that it's so important for me and for all my employees to understand what you are after here. And he said, Mr. Yellenheimer, come to the window here. So I came to the window and he said, can you, this is a big parking space. Can you see that row? I said, yes. And he said, can you see my car? And he, he illustrated the, the color. And then I said, that's my Volvo. <laughs> Isn't that quite something? That is. I like that a lot. And, and, and then he shook hands and he said, lovely to see you. You are only one of the first visitors, but you are definitely the first important visitor that I've had. Otherwise, they come, you know, with um, uh, from their legal department. I like that. And that, that was all just highlighting the importance of, of the environmental focus on, on how you marketed, how you, how you built out the brand. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I really wanted to understand, and then I'm going to give you some, if there's anything else that I missed, what is one point that you've you've made is is short termism, short termism. So short sightedness in corporate governance, and then its impact on income equal in income inequality. Yeah. How does how do you see us fixing that piece, and what is that piece uh, about? I think it is really more than just rules and, and, and regulations and paragraphs. It is your view of the whole corporation, the entire corporation. Who is interested to work there? Who is interested to improve? Who is interested to be a very good person with customers and understand the role of customers? Not only that you have to sell it, but that you have to maintain it, that the quality, the environmental care, all those things are one whole thing and one whole system. And it, th that was also the part of when we came into the, we, we, we made the engines for the uh, aircraft, uh, fighter aircraft and attack aircraft, and that was partly exported. And then we came to be a partner in the European Space Agency. And our spacecraft 
we, we lifted off the ramp, we lifted with our base the whole the whole uh, skyrocket. Hmm. So, so we, 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 we had so many many interests, and then we had marine engines as well. But but my whole world, what I tried to inspire to my my my. Uh, you know my my blue collar workers the white collar workers and the 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 management is how we should think and if they if they couldn't accept it fine that, that then i would say goodbye to them but most of them would accept it and they were proud of it so that was one piece of the business mm. <laughs> it's just it's just it seems it's again uh, the one the one driving point that really is hitting me as I go through this is these things all make so much sense. They make it's common sense to focus on long term. It's common yeah. sense to focus and be socially conscious. Uh, a few other things like, but it's just it's about doing right. It's about actually yeah. acting on this yeah. stuff. Um, now I have I have a couple more questions that I like to ask course, that are sort of, of rapid fire about your career. But before before I get into that. Um, is there anything that I didn't ask about the book or about the reflections that you that you spoke on in the book that you wanted to touch on? No, I, I, I can just perhaps mention a few of the periods uh, in my life where where uh, I did different things. So after sure. um, after twenty three twenty four years at Volvo as head of Volvo all the time, uh, I left because uh, first of all I thought it was time. And secondly, I had other possible potential successors that, that I would let come through. So I, I moved and uh, I, I had, uh, first of all, a, a period where when I thought that we should have better environmentally friendly vehicles, I organized a club that was called the the uh, uh, club of the 17th uh, of the 17 so it's like the uh, like the council around prince king arthur's court um, from the middle <laughs> from from the 14th to 15th century but so we were 17 and we were only industrialists and we were not anything else and the 17 we started and my my proposal was that we should make an environmentally friendly place of europe so i met i met with uh, uh, leaders of governments uh, i was the chairman of the club i met with president mitterrand who was the the president of france for uh, two two periods and with his uh, finance minister, who became uh, the uh, head of the European uh, Union, uh, the, the, uh, the chief executive of the European Union. And I had to talk to these people and also to the German chancellor and others to get their attention to what we would like to do because otherwise it would be a total bureaucracy. And um, one, one thing that was quite amazing is that I, I, I met President Mitterrand, and I, I met him at a little private dinner with one of his associates. And he was eating his oysters, and I was telling him what I wanted him to know. And I said, Monsieur le Président, I said, you are going to miss Mrs. Thatcher within three days or two days. And I have a message for you to give her, namely, propose to her a tunnel under the English Channel. Not a bridge, but a tunnel. He came back and I got a telephone call four days later, he'd been only two days with her, and he said, it's done. We have agreed to have that channel tunnel made. Hmm. And I think that was 
quite sensational. <laughs> I think that well, that's I think that's a huge that's a that's a huge point in in your in your life, um, and, and the fact and that then, you, and, yeah, and then also uh, we 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 uh, we organized for a second tunnel under the Alps. They had one, a first tunnel under the Pyrenees between France and uh, Spain, and uh, partly new motorways around Europe. And the, the, the high-speed trains, uh, the, the French were the best, and they, they had a network over most of Europe uh, when, when I left the, the roundtable of European industrialists. Very impressive. And, and what, do you, what do you work on now? What's your current um, focus? Well, my current focus is, first of all, I am a, I'm a, 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 an advisor to the chairman of uh, Thomson Reuters. You know, Reuters was yeah. bought by Thomson's in Canada, and, yeah. and Thomson Reuters is the name. And uh, uh, I was uh, I was the chairman of the founder share company of Reuters for 15 years, which is the longest that anyone anyone has served, because I was asked to come to Reuters when they uh, when they listed their shares. So they said, we need three new independent directors, one American, one English, and one European. I was a European. And uh, the, the, the American was the, the head of uh, Citicorp. <laughs> hmm. Now, as you know, as this book um, comes out, is there anything else that you've had like a such an impressive life and a, a very impressive resume? What else do you want to do? Or is, is this? <laughs> well, the, the, well, yeah, well yeah, I, will, I will die fairly soon, I suppose. But, oh, but no, what, don't what, say that. Don't say that. What, 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 I, what I did after Volvo and, and, and the other things I've done is uh, uh, I was asked by uh, the chairman of a British insurance company called Commercial Union, if I wanted to be the chairman. Uh, and then I had moved, uh, you know, I mo moved away from, uh, fr from Volvo. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, yes. And then when I looked at it, I said, it's a fairly small company. Uh, will, will, will it be, be possible to, to compete in, 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 in the international world? And he smiled a little bit. He said, He's gone, it's gone fairly well. But I merged that company, Commercial Union, within six months with a, 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 much, a bigger company called General Accident, which was Scottish. And that merger came to fruition without any premium. Mm -hmm. you know, just the value they had on the stock exchange. And then the third one I acquired within two, two, two years later, and uh, that became uh, the biggest insurance company in the United Kingdom. And uh, that was created in, in three years. Very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, you don't, and, you don't stop. That, you never retire. You just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, all right. So... Let me let me ask a couple insights from your life, and they don't have to, you know, whatever whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, what advice would you give somebody who's younger in their career trying to pursue something similar to yours? I would say that uh, if, if they are fairly fresh in mind, they should be without partisans uh, partisan uh, weaknesses. They should have uh, integrity, independence, and freedom from bias. They should be, you know, rid of a lot of, of sanctions that they may have had from uh, other parties in, in, in their education. And uh, that uh, to, be, to be neutral and unbiased is a very good thing. Very good. And it makes you, makes you much more open-minded. Agreed. Very, very much agreed. I think that's one of the issues that we're seeing with a lot of individuals right now. It's so polarized. Um, where do you go to learn uh, and stay on top of, of 
what's relevant? Is there a resource, a person? No, it's not a resource or person, but I have I have a couple of uh, long-term friends. Uh, for example, David Rockefeller, he came the year that I became head of Volvo, he asked if he could see me. And he came literally four weeks after I had started as, uh, as my career as chief executive. And then he remained a friend until he passed away when 101 years old uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And then I met Henry Kissinger uh, when, when I was at Aspen Institute where I tried to uh, make peace between the Middle Eastern states, which was quite, quite an interesting travel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what Aspen Institute is? When the, the Aspen Institute? No, I, I do know, I do know uh, Mr. Kissinger, though, but I don't know the Aspen Institute. What's, what is that? Now, the Aspen Institute was uh, a, an institute that was founded I think in the 60s and was uh, very much based in uh, California and San Francisco. And then a leadership appeared that made it a more or less global force. First global in the United States and then almost global around the world. And I was invited once to that. There I met Henry Kissinger the first sure. time. Oh, I understand. Okay, that makes sense then. So that's okay, gotcha. Um, and now. and then they and then they said because there were top people that that uh, came came to the Aspen Institute, uh, which was in Colorado <laughs> at the time. Aspen, Colorado. That's why that's why it called Aspen Institute. But and they said, well, Perry Lama, we would like you to chair this group. How many people would you like to have? I said, no one. They said, no one. I said, I think, I think it's better alone and with one deputy because uh, coming a group, it's like, it's, it's like, a, you know, it, it, it's like an adventure or it's like, like diplomats. And I don't like it. I like to talk to the leaders directly. So I met with Anbar Sadat, the, the head of, of, of Egypt at the time, and who was killed. And uh, uh, I visited Israel. I visited Jordan. And I flew with a private plane from Jerusalem to Amman, which was forbidden. And I had to have permit from the, the, the ambassador or the, 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 the consul in, in Jerusalem and the king of Jordan. Very, and very it took impressive. Ten, it, it took 10 minutes <laughs> and, and, and uh, to, to fly. I mean, we, 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 so, so I mean, you know, it, it's just next door to, to, to Jerusalem. But anyway, and, and then I met with Arafat and then I met with uh, the... Uh, uh, the prime minister in, in, in Israel, and and we had a very good package when I came back from the Middle East to New York and to Aspen Institute because they thought it was quite remarkable. And the problem was that Carter was the president, and he had only one term. And in December, it was clear that he was going to be succeeded by Ronald Reagan, who knew nothing about politics. And when this was presented to him, and his uh, uh, deputy, not deputy, but foreign, foreign secretary, Alexander Haig, who was uh, like a, a tin soldier, <laughs> a puppet and, 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 and very, very difficult to talk to. And he was just engaged with Reagan. And he was the 
infamous person who, when Reagan was shot, he said, I'm now in charge and moved into the White House. And that was a serious mistake because it was the vice president who should have done it. Mm-hmm. And that was that was partly the end of him. <laughs> but but also Re- Reagan, who 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 uh, had, had no experience of foreign 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 office and, and foreign services and international uh, you know diplomacy. He, he wouldn't even listen to this. He thought it was something so strange to him that he wouldn't deal with it. That's a, that's a very remember, interesting story. Was, very, very yeah, interesting story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very good. Um, what was I going to say? What would, be, what would be a lesson that you would tell your younger self? Well, a lesson I would tell my younger self is not to give a specific advice on anything but be open-minded, have integrity, has freedom from bias, and uh, try to be a very decent person mm-hmm. and, and be very, take real care about the people you have in your employ, if you have anyone in your employ. Be open-minded, you can be sharp, you can be tough, but you have to be absolutely honest, fair, and generous very good and um what's what's one way that you think that we can all make the world a slightly better place well i think i think it's late now to make it a better place (laughs) because (laughs) but because the environment the environment is 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 such a disaster and 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 uh, you have disasters everywhere i mean the the oceans are dirty and uh, the the species in the world for growth, seventy uh, percent have already gone, destroyed completely. So there's thirty percent left, and uh, uh, so so it it it's it's really a world that we have destroyed gradually and violently when when modern technology has come, and uh, uh, it's very late. So, so that, that is one thing to, to, to watch. The other thing to watch is, of course, this uh, new virus, mm-hmm. the coronavirus, because this is, this is a plague of, of some sort. And if you look at how the United States has behaved under Trump, I mean, it's, it's a total scandal. Mm-hmm. And he says, we have had made, t- made more testing of patients than any, anyone else in the world, which is total nonsense. I mean, he lies about everything. But so, so how he does with the United States and really the Western world is a disaster. So I think that, first of all, one has to understand where these uh, plagues come from and how you deal with it. And that will take a bit of time and then learn from it, and then also understand how fragile the world is, because the North Pole now, the ice is melting very briskly now. It hasn't come to Antarctica yet, but it will come. So if I would be born again now, (laughs) I I would really devote quite a lot of energy to those that's wise words, and and you know you you you've done so much with your life. It's it's uh, it's something that behooves us all to sort of take a second look at um, who are younger in our careers, yeah. right? Yeah. Before it's too late. Um, and and the last question before I get some uh, some places to go and get the book and and find out more about what you're working on now. Uh, what is what does success mean for you? Success means. Uh... Many different things, but the, the, the most important thing is that the people I serve and the people I work with feel that they get something, even if it is against them, uh, you, know, that, and, and, you, you know, the wind blows the other direction, that they have the faith to believe and to stand by and to work and do good things. 
irrespective of, of, of you know, how, how, mm-hmm. how it fares. And uh, uh, that, that, that there is a good intention behind everything they are asked to do or hoping to do. So uh, I, th- I think that's the most important. And, and integrity and independence, I think, are, are very valuable and freedom from bias. Very because awesome. if, you, if you have those three, uh, you, you, you will do well. And lastly, um, most important, uh, where do people connect with you? Uh, website, um, is there Amazon for the book, of course, and when does that, when does that release? I think it's about to be released. Let me just take a look here. Um, for the for the website, uh, you can go to um, uh, pairyellenhammer dot com. So that's an easy one. Yes, and everything yes. is there. Um, and then uh, LinkedIn as well. Uh, LinkedIn dot com uh, for Pear Yellenhammer. And then I think that. Um, the, the book will obviously be on the website, but it will yep. also be on, it'll also be on Amazon. So it's coming out September. So soon you're about a month away, but yep. character is destiny reflections on innovation and integrity from Volvo's longest serving CEO. So I'll link that in, in the comments okay. so people can go find uh, all the links, but that's all I have. Okay. <laughs> is that enough for you? Yeah, it's perfect. It was incredible. Yes. Thank you so much, sir. I yes. appreciate your time. Well, you're very welcome, and it was good to talk to you. That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, and peers. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds as it allows other people to find our podcast and lets our amazing guests reach even more people with their message. And remember, any rating is fine as long as it contains five stars. I'm Scott Clary from the Success Story Podcast, signing off. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. All the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent, fast and listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash clary just go to indeed.com slash clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash clary terms and conditions apply if you need to hire you need indeed this episode is brought to you by netsuite now as a business owner i always remember when my company hits a growth spurt it's great but then you realize that things start to break things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year, that's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot. NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help 
improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash scottclary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable, under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all success story podcast listeners get 20% off your delete me plan when you go to join deleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout the only way to get 20% off is to go to join deleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout j-o-i-n-d-e-l-e-t-e-m-e.com slash success I want to thank Belay for sponsoring today's episode. They provide solutions that all of us need. They help us get back more of our time because time is the most precious resource. A lot of you listening are business leaders, entrepreneurs. You know that if you spend your time incorrectly, it can make or break your business, your personal, professional relationships. It can completely sidetrack you and stop you from reaching your goals. So I'm going to ask you, are you protecting your time? How much of your day is eaten up by tasks that could have been done by someone else? Wouldn't you rather spend your time on things that truly matter? The answer should be yes, because you have to, to move the needle on whatever it is you're trying to build. That's where Belay comes in. They are the nation's largest pool of exceptional US-based talent. Belay offers flexible staffing solutions to free you up. Need a virtual assistant to conquer those pesky administrative tasks or maybe an accounting professional to really keep your finances in order. Belay can help with all that and way more. Their personalized matching process saves you the headache of hiring by finding the perfect match for your needs in as little as a week. Focus on what matters the most with the help from Belay. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to learn more and get started. 